Good evening, everyone. I'm your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. Before we start, if you're new to the channel, please hit subscribe and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you are alerted whenever we go live. We're constantly adding all streams with other channels and adding and revamping new shows. Speaking of shows, there are some TIR appearances out there. Uh, our very own MT was on an episode of Varn Vlog where she discussed all things green. And I was recently on the Sublation Media show hosted by Susie Kleeman, Fatal Dates. Those shows are up. Please check them out. MT, what was the name of the show you were on, Varn? Um, one second. I do have the. It's MC Toussaint on green socialism and left media. I knew it was something that revolved around hit, uh, like hemp pants. <laughs> Birkenstocks. Yeah, the importance of like um, granola. Yeah. 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 That said, if you enjoy what we do here at TIR and don't want to make the yearly or monthly commitment to show your support, you can show your support with revolutionary merch. T, can you bring that up on the screen? It's already on the screen. It is. Yeah. We've got pullovers, hoodies, Anglo pessimism, mouse pads. You can get your Anglo pessimism in different colors. I did not know that. You can get it in yeah. other gray, and I believe you can get it in navy blue. I like the navy blue. Can you get red Anglo pessimism as well? I'm not sure. We also have new hoodies, so please check the website www.thisisrevolutionpodcast.com. You can see all the new merch options. Before we go, can't forget to talk about the live show. We did it in LA. We're bringing it to New York. Give them a revolution live. The TIR crew will be there. The Give Them an Argument crew will be there. And Matt and David from Left Reckoning will be there amongst a host of other huge names in left podcast media. It will be a good time. We were in New York this summer as part of the Sublation Media launch. This one will be bigger, better, deafer. Are you ready for the, the live show in New York? MT, I am. You okay? Yeah. Yeah. You ready for the Exciting. live show? I'm excited for the live show. This is yeah. the other one was a little different because we were part of the sublation thing and we had to kind of lay back a little bit. Couldn't really represent the full way we wanted to represent. Cuba had to hold back some. Now he can just be full on for the Cubanots and the, the audience. Cubanots. The Cubanots. That's the new one. I can't remember who said that. I don't remember if someone in the chat said that or Gene Bajlan said it, but the Kubanots are a real thing. We need to get a Kubanot shirt. We have Kubanots and we have degenerates. Degenerates and Kubanots. Yep. It's amazing. Well, thank you to all the Kubanots, degenerates, patrons, YouTube and Twitch subscribers. You guys are the oh-so-important cogs in the TIR machine. If you'd like to be a part of what we do here, have access to our call-in segment, Champagne Rooms, past and present. There's only one way. You must become a patron. For as little as $3 a month or $30 for the entire year, it can all be yours. With that said, let's bring in... Uh-oh. Looks like his, his lighting got a little better in his chamber. As... We, we were having some before show technical difficulties, which I think we got kind of ironed out. Kuba was in a chamber. He, he's on the Death Star right now. He's, you know, getting him to do this pre-record is a big deal because it's it's uh, the end of the year is a big time for Death Star middle management. You know, the reporting that he has to do this, the amount of spreadsheets. You would be surprised at the amount of spreadsheets he has to create for uh for the emperor's assistant so please welcome from his decompression chamber somewhere deep in the death star deep state kuba hello i didn't see you there 
<laughs> yeah, the end of the galactic year is always a, a big deal. Um, fewer parties than you think, but a lot of deadlines. <laughs> you don't want to know what happens if uh, your spreadsheet doesn't pass muster. Mm. Let's just say <laughs> you'll be wishing that it was the Ewoks that got you. Get a little force chokage. Yeah, but like not the kind you pay for. <laughs> speaking of man, speaking of a man that uh, has wanted to force choke numerous students, he's everyone's favorite history professor at Missouri State University, and he is also knee deep in paperwork. Knee deep. Knee deep in paperwork. Mean Gene Bajlan. First of all, I have never wanted to force choke any of my students slash customers. Number two, Cooper is clearly on Coruscant right now to do his uh, presentations. And three, <laughs> it, all the paperwork is online now. So, you know, it works out better for the environment. That means you need to even online paperwork. Yeah, it's, it's actually part of the carbon offset program for the Death Star construction. <laughs> really help us hit our ESG marks. Exactly. I mean, e-walk e e labor is cheap but inefficient. So, you know, there has to be new techniques brought about to ensure that construction keeps Operation Stardust remains on target. Plus, if you think the rebels are a pain in the ass, wait until you meet like the environmentalist protesters and uh, like Imperial Twitter. It is just one thing after another with them. Um, exactly. AOC is causing all kinds of trouble in the Galactic Senate. Well, it's AOC 3PO, but yes. <laughs> a lot of letters the person that creates an aoc 3po image we might have to make a something off that i don't know we got to give that person something because AOC best, best aoc 3po gets um one of my comp spots for the live show oh you heard it here first folks deep state will be judging aoc 3po images i'm excited to see that um Nothing AI generated, by the way. You got to create mm. that. Speaking of AI generated, it's everyone's favorite headless, faceless AI that Pascal and I created in a laboratory. Or is it a real person? M2 song. Hello, hello. If you and Pascal created me, my name would be M. Dessaline. Ooh. Maybe we did it. Yeah. That Maybe it's a fake out, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Maybe you got too smart for your own good, like X Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, she's getting close to sentience. Time to unplug it. <laughs> I it never works out well. Trust me, I've seen it before. Well, I, I want to do this intro and pivot to M Tucson because this is a show that she's been wanting to do for some time, and it's a, it's a very important topic. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to be handling maybe our most controversial topic to date. And that's saying a lot in regards to what we discuss on this show. This is one that I know will have a lot of mad typing fingers throughout the episode. And I'm sorry, this isn't live. Uh, it's just too hot an issue. And we knew that chat response would be too polarizing. It's an issue that started before me. It even precedes Pascal and will probably persist even after we expire. It's a question that has perplexed man for generations. Yes, we're going to tackle the blue menace known to the general public as Smurfs. Are they simply a cute, cuddly, adorable kid show designed to teach children to respect nature and work in community with one another? Or is its real mission the indoctrination of the younger generation into its communist propaganda? Is Papa Smurf really Papa Marx. Is Gargamel the real protagonist and savior of all mankind? 
Are Smurf berries just legal marijuana? Is Smurfette really just vanity Smurf living an alternate lifestyle designed to comfort children with the destruction of the nuclear family? Well, we have our very own M. Tucson here to Smurf us some clarity on the issue. M. Tucson. Hello. <laughs> I am so glad you guys are joining me for this. We need to find out. Firstly, if the Smurfs are communists or not. Fun fact. Um, mm -hmm. in some of the top imperial race scientists have theorized that Smurfs and Ewoks share a common ancestor. Wow. The flatworm. The, the more you know. The more you know. <laughs> the um, After all, they both nature-dwelling um, communal villagers of uh, diminutive stature. Uh, both of them have a very loose appreciation for the English language. Um, I mean, really, to, for some people, that's enough. It's a real smoking gun. Personally, I'm not convinced because of the uh, the fur issue. But well, it's uh, like a naked mole rat, isn't it? You know, and like a naked mole rat, perhaps the Smurfs are eusocial. Yes, it would explain the gender imbalance. What isn't like a naked mole rat? That's the real question. A furry mole rat. A furry mole rat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we so actually. Anthony, can I ask you why did you want to talk about Smurfs? You've been, you've been, you've been sure. uh, on the Smurf case for a while. Uh -huh. You've been smurfing us a lot about the Smurfs. Yeah. So. Yeah, Smurf me a break. Yeah. <laughs> Smurf of some answers to why you're so Smurfing excited about Smurfs? Well, firstly, my favorite color is blue. Um, I grew up watching the Smurfs and I definitely had questions about, about them, mostly about their language, like Smurf being a verb, a noun, a pronoun, just every part of speech. Um, but really in learning more about communism and Marx and leftism, um, I think a lot of people have a lot of different ideas. So some of those ideas have got to be wrong based on some of the comments I've seen. Uh, I wanted to use the Smurfs as a case study so we could see, do they fit the bill of being communist or not? And maybe along the way, some of us will see if we fit the bill of being communist or not. Hmm. That's my hope. Well, um, I mean, the Smurfs kind of fit into a, a genre, don't they, of uh, kids' TV programs which elevate mm -hmm. sharing, caring, love of nature, communalism, all these kind of values that we associate with the political left. Uh, certainly, they are, I would say, at the opposite end of a kid's TV program like Thomas the Tank Engine, which is all about hierarchy and work and production. The Smurfs seem to be living in a kind of mushroom utopia in the middle of nowhere, a perhaps a primitive communist community uh, based around a hunter-gatherer society, perhaps mainly gathering herbs and uh, other Smurf-related uh, items, but it is kind of interesting that you know this trope. It's like not uncommon in kids' TV programs. And I, I think that Gene, you're right in your analysis, but uh, it's also possible that they are a post-industrial communist society that they've transcended the need for um, machinery, electrification, and they live in a such a perfect balance with their ecology that nature provides what they need with that Marxist surplus of, uh, of time. And um, it could very well be that that's a kind of like a perfect circle. You begin and end with primitive communism just at a higher level of uh, biological synchronicity with your environment. Do you think they've genetically engineered themselves in order to be able to survive 
uh, as a kind of primitive communist society, that they're not originally blue. Perhaps they were once human. Yeah, it's possible. They could have also genetically engineered the Smurf berries so that they grow effortlessly in their surroundings, probably just absorbing carbon dioxide and other pollutants and converting them into a perfectly nutritious um, one bite meal where they don't have to deal with animal husbandry or intensive agriculture. Um, but I like your idea that um, they've also genetically engineered themselves, but this would have happened remotely enough in the past so that um, the current Smurfs, with the possible exception of Papa Smurf, um, are unaware of the um, difficulty and the, the artifice behind the um, behind their current lifestyle and their current social system, probably because their ancestors, having gone through the bloody work of uh, building communism, wanted to spare their descendants the um, inherited trauma that would go along with appreciating that you're heirs to such a, a bloody empire, bloody throne, even now that you've transcended class and hierarchy. The very idea might be... Um, might but be has hierarchy been transcended in Smurf society? It seems that they they have a gerontocracy, right? Papa Smurf is unambiguously the ruler of the Smurf community, and his main claim to rulership is his age within that community. Well, the Smurf uh, rejoinder would be that uh, he doesn't have, like Deng Xiaoping, he doesn't have a formal position. He doesn't have coercive resources at his disposal. He doesn't impose authority. He just cultivates influence because of his unique personal characteristics and the experience that comes with his longevity. Hmm. A lot of soft power. Yeah. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? If um, we are living in a society without status hierarchy, without formal distinctions between worker, bourgeois, owner, master, servant, then personal characteristics will um, translate into some people being more listened to, some people um, that are known for better judgment or um, better instincts being sought after in times of crisis or for um, personal counsel among the regular Smurfs. Among well, the I think all, all this points to one really important thing that we should think about, that there is definitely a gritty reboot of the Smurfs in which the Smurfs have to overthrow the Smurf bourgeoisie and build prequel. yeah prequel where we see Smurfs building communism and moving towards this utopian uh, society where they live in balance with nature, where we can actually see the process that takes them. Because this is very much the anarcho-primitivist kind of view of what socialism would look like. I think a lot of uh, communists and socialists would reject this particular iteration because it is a rejection of industrial civilization where traditional Marxist communism, of course, is all about uh, is a Promethean ideology that you know seeks to harness uh, the power of industry for the betterment of, of humanity. Perhaps the Smurfs are merely one particular community of Smurfs who have eschewed modern industrial civilization, and the the revolution has given them uh, a space in which to live this primitive life. But perhaps there's a broader industrial Smurf uh, post capitalist industrial Smurf civilization out there, which perhaps even the Smurfs are uh, dependent on for certain machine tools. Because I don't see where they're getting all these Smurf- uh, uh, Durable goods. Dur durable goods from, exactly. Like there must be they, some source. They I mean, have I, some machines. They certainly have the technology to create a dam, as mm. we saw in the Smurfette uh, origin story. Um, there's a baker. And so he has some tools in order to, you know, handle his bakery. Well, where are they getting the agricultural products from? And also they farm. Uh, 
um, the it's a craft level of development. Mm. But, um, you know, vanity's got that mirror. And that means you have to make glass, you have to have metallurgy in order to produce the uh, reflective surface. Um, is it a bespoke mm. mirror? Like there's no um, a glazer smurf, right? Or um, <laughs> mirror maker smurf. So presumably it comes from some other source, and but it's smurf sized. It's not like a repurposed, they didn't steal it from Gardner. Right. So right. Um, uh, the hats and the dam could be constructed with uh, on a craft basis with enough um, with enough labor power, but mm -hmm. the mirror actually that's that to me is the strongest evidence for the kind of um, industrial shadow civilization that you're implying. And you know, I like to imagine that there might be a a Smurf star in orbit that is um, looking outwards in exploration. Um, there's no reason why mm -hmm. it has to be an industrial society. It could be much more advanced without the re restrictions and limitations of extractive capitalism on uh, Smurf development. But I also, um, I want to put a little because I think that there might be another story here for the gritty prequel. Now, Smurfs are all blue, but what if that blue coloration was actually their um, endpoint in overthrowing white supremacy? So previously you had racialized Smurfs with a clear hierarchy and white Smurfs on top. Um, but as they go through the revolution and they get rid of um, racialized status hierarchies, they recognize that unless you all have the same color, then there's always the risk for a resurgence of um, that kind of uh, strategy of division and repression. So they opt for blue, a uh, color that doesn't exist in melanin-based pigmentation as the new template for a universal smurfhood. Well, that dovetails with the genetic engineering theory. Then. Mm -hmm. that that also, the small size, actually, mm -hmm. may be a measure to limit their ecological impact. That was a, that's another, mm. uh, another good point. I mean, we could be dealing here. I mean, maybe the antipathy between Gargamel and the Smurfs is actually that the Smurfs are not indigenous to this, this homeworld. Perhaps the Smurfs are a galactic civilization that seeds different planets with communities. Settler colonists. Yes, they could have a settler colonist. Wow. Perhaps Gargamel is actually fighting an anti-imperialist war against the infestation of his planet by... Uh, uh, by a superior Smurf civilization. He may be combat, you know, the Smurfs are pretty effective in dealing with Gargamel and his uh, attempts to uh, get Smurf berries or whatever he's trying to get from the Smurfs or to try and use, why would Gargamel want to uh, capture Smurfs if not, as we know, to use in his potions to dissect the Smurf, perhaps Smurf's genetic engineering, engineered uh, inheritance, perhaps that is... Maybe that's it, the real gold. You know, he yeah. wants to take the Smurfs and uh, convert them into gold, but maybe that's just his terminology for the secrets of genetic transcendence and manipulation that are embedded in the Smurf genome. So he's not an anti-Semitic trope. Well, I mean you can be more than one thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, um, He's a deep and complex character. Yeah. And um, fair enough. Actually, there's in, in a certain way, especially with his creation of the blonde Smurfette, wait, she was, she had dark hair. It doesn't matter. In his creation of Smurfette, he gives me a kind of Yakubian nation of Islam feel. Right, like that. This is the evil wizard that's the that's creating new life as a parody of Smurf civilization in order to destabilize and demoralize um, the uh, virtuous 
uh, nature dwelling um, collective uh, civilization utopia. Uh, yeah, because Asmuths naturally uh, do they have sexual dimorphism as an inherent trait to their reproductive cycle. Um, you know, Smurfette yeah. is is a creation. Or maybe he's a groomer, right? And Smurfette <gasps> is what you get when you take a regular, normal, um, default boy Smurf and take them to too many drag shows. Wow. But how Smurf do Smurfs is... reproduce? How do Smurfs reproduce? That is a concrete question that is not answered. Smurfette is not natural to the Smurf community, right? Right. I'm going to yeah. go with... I, I like the idea that like uh, that similar to naked mole rats, they are eusocial, except because you always think that Smurfette, who's coded female, would be the queen mother. But there's no reason to assume that gender is um, expressed in the same way among Smurfs. So Papa Smurf could actually be the egg layer that uh, produced the entire new generation um, that's there only seem to be two generations they had baby smurfs at some point but it, it's questionable um mm -hmm. and it could just be that papa smurf arrives already pregnant um or already um carrying the complete genetic profile for uh the subsequent generation the first thing he does is uh, produce all of these um, smurfs that then take on worker roles um and create the material conditions for their collective life. And then you add um, that element of sexual deviance through Smurfette by the groomer wizard complex. That it well, is it, it reminds me of Ursula Le Guin's Left Hand of Darkness in that sense. Uh, in Left Hand of Darkness, I don't know if people are aware of this novel by Ursula Le Guin, there is a society of humans where there is no, uh, where everybody is, uh, is uh, androgynous. There's no gender differentiation. When when they reproduce, one becomes don't female. Tell Rob one becomes, yeah, exactly. One becomes <laughs> female, one becomes male. Uh, but, you know, you can be a mother at some times in your life and you can be a father at some times in your life. There's no and sexual deviancy in that society is other people who want to remain in one particular gender role. That is their notion mm. of perversion, perhaps as in Left Hand of Darkness, where this community, it is believed genetically engineered themselves to be like this, just as Kuba said, the blue color may be an attempt to remove the potentiality of racial hierarchies that the Smurfs, uh, Smurfette is a product of an earlier genetic in, uh, iteration of the Smurfs where sexual dimorphism existed. And the Smurfs are actually, uh, as a genetically engineered uh, race, have no, uh, uh, you know, fixed uh, sexual identity. They're unisexual uh, 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 species and Gargamel is injecting this into them because if you look at them, Papa Smurf has a beard, but of course, mm -hmm. you know, there are women out there who have beards. Uh, that, sure. that is the that happens, uh, but most of the other Smurfs don't have facial hair, they have uh, high voices that perhaps us as uh, as creatures who are so used to thinking in a, a, a gender-defined dichotomy, perhaps we code them as male, but perhaps they're not male. Perhaps they are. Uh, they, a gender. A gender, yeah. They do not have mm -hmm. a, a gender or sexual role. Perhaps they reproduce with some becoming female, some becoming male for a limited period, but there are no fixed gender roles, whereas Smurfette is a return to that an atavism, actually. Yeah. yeah. The uh, and I, I I'm sticking with my eusocial hypothesis, but mm -hmm. just as in certain species of fish and amphibians, when um, the population in a contained environment is entirely male or female, then certain members of the group will change gender to allow for reproduction. Um, 
And once there's a sufficient balance, then there's some kind of hormonal interplay that prevents that from continuing. It could very well be that um, Papa Smurf is, uh, if he were, if something were to happen to him, then there would be another Smurf that would take on, that would grow a beard, that would become that mm. role um, in order to fill that vacuum. Um, and it could just be a, a progression where every Smurf over a long enough time horizon will become Papa Smurf at some point. Is the you Papa know, Smurf we see throughout all the seasons the same Papa Smurf? Exactly. Oh it could be a role. It could be a title rather than an individual. Look at that. That's what they did with Wolverine and Thor and Marvel. Makes sense. I think that maybe too much has been made about their reproduction. I think they're various shades of asexual. And I think it, it might have to do with their genetic makeup that to uh, keep their numbers low in order to, you know, keep them in harmony with nature. Well, and that actually leads to an interesting question when we bring the political back into this. Mm -hmm. Would a communist society necessarily take the Soviet you know, utopian trajectory, right? Is that what successful communism looks like? Or um, does it mean a degrowth scenario where uh, human beings have to control their population and they have to um, adjust themselves to the ecological realities of the environment in which they live in. Um, communism would give them the uh, social technology as well as the uh, control over the means of production that would allow them to take, rather than this ever-expanding quasi-imperialist um, model, um, it would have to, it would be about turning small, being beautiful, being in harmony with nature. Hmm. If they're Go ahead, Empty. If they're primitive communists, then they may not need capitalism, but they do need a bourgeoisie, don't they? Only if you have, uh, only if you need that technological drive to mm. achieve something. But if they're at the end of it, right, we can right. imagine um, the great Smurf revolution, which occurs in industrial or other advanced technological settings like Smurfs and Smurf tanks, um, smurfing the hell out of Smurf populations in Smurf uh, crimes. Yeah, exactly. Crimes against Smurf manatee. Um, mm -hmm. And then once victory is uh, assured, they break down all the factories. They melt down all the guns. Right, the oh, pot style, mm -hmm. and you eliminate the industrial means of violence and return to a collective life at the village level is comfortable and free and never look back. I mean, another, another scenario is if we assume the if we you know, follow the utopian path of socialism with the notion of the withering away of the state after a period of the dictatorship of the proletariat. Surely that means that within a socialist society, especially one that perhaps could be uh, more uh, interplanetary, um, you could have a diversity of societies existing in a post-capitalist uh, uh, formation. So, you know, smart like primitive smurf you could have a movement primitive for, smurfism but also um space smurfism, space smurfism uh, existing side by side because for example smurfism. the destruction of uh hunter-gatherer societies uh pastoralist societies and even feudal agrarian societies is driven by the relentless march of capitalism but if we remove the relentless march of capitalism and and you know, end up with a classless society, then, you know, as Marx says, it's not the end. Of it. It's 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 the beginning of humanity or smurfanity coming to consciousness, which could lead to a flowering of different forms of society that can exist side by side because the 
question of uh, scarcity and class politics has been resolved. So you can have living side by side communities that wish to eschew much of the paraphernalia of modern industrial civilization. But in the absence of capitalism and class society, they can coexist peacefully with more advanced in, uh, industrial iterations of a socialist society. Uh, well, um, Robert Nozick is frequently used by the right, but in Anarchy State and Utopia, he posits um, that in a free society, you wouldn't have homogeneity or atomization, but rather the proliferation of different contained communities representing um, life modes that appealed to individuals that could opt into them. And maybe that's what we're seeing. And Nozick and the libertarians made the great mistake of assuming that this can be achieved under conditions of capitalism. But what it requires actually is the culmination of um, socialist evolution into that post dictatorship of the proletariat um, phase. It's a lovely vision of that phase, isn't it? I'd like to return to the clues that we had that led us to the Smurfs being considered as communists. So three clues in particular. We have um, the, the word Smurf itself, which some say stands for socialist men under a red father. We have Papa Smurf with his red outfit and his beard who some say is actually supposed to be Karl Marx. And then we also have Brainy Smurf, who seems to have similarities to Trotsky. The, the first idea, and um, the idea that the Smurf anagram, uh, or rather the Smurf is an acrostic for, um, for a socialist slogan, it's a little problematic because English wasn't the original language um, in the French that under which it was first published calls them the Stumpfs, which right. um, is, it makes it a little harder to, to, to make out the code, but maybe there's a French language equivalent, I, I couldn't say. Um, but certainly like the translators um, of the uh, work into English, they could have snuck that in right there's a there's a reason they they went with the name they did and it may not have been for uh sundry base uh profit motives um the as for uh, the marx figure um i think that papa smurf and karl marx and Santa Claus may actually all represent different manifestations of a Jordan Peterson style archetype in the collective consciousness of a benevolent and um, uh, a, a redempt, a father redeemer. There is something very much of the Sufi Sheikh about Papa Smurf as well. You know, he he has a red cap. A lot like the Kizilbash that supported the Safavids when they came to power. So he could also be, you know, a peer, uh, uh, an old wise man. In Kurdish, the term often used is a, uh, uh, is a Rashbi, a white beard. And the, the, the beard and the style, you know, is not inherently socialistic, but rather speaks to as as uh, Kuba says, this image of the wise man in uh, our collective unconscious. Yeah. But uh, also, um, the when we think of uh, the Smurfs, it's tempting to project our own aesthetic social coding onto uh, the characters, which is how you end up with Gargamel being an anti-Semitic stereotype. But if the Smurfs are actually Middle Eastern, right, or they derive partly from an Islamic, Mesopotamian, Levantine, Persian, Kurdish, Arabic um, collective, which, you know, if it's communism, why not? Um, there's no reason that it has to be a successor to the United States. It could be that the Smurfs are successors to 
um, the Islamic Republic of Iran through um, a revolutionary left-wing process. And in that case, Gargamel would just be Lebanese. Hmm. You make a great point. You make a great point. I mean, some would say not better, but, you know, different. Brainy Smurf and Trotsky. I don't see Brainy Smurf seeking to extend the Smurfing revolution, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, we're two classic guys, and that seems to be the extent of the of the parallel between him and Trotsky. So he's more a represent, perhaps he's a representative of the intellectual class in a post-communist society, in a communist yeah. society, as Kuba will probably tell you, you know, in communist Poland, uh, at school, children were designated, whether the children of intellectuals or the working class, you know, class divisions existed within the organization of the state, the provision of services, etc. So perhaps he's a representative of that intellectual class. Everybody seems to be annoyed by uh, Brainy Smurf, but yes. Brainy Smurf is essential to the running of Smurf society. So uh, he perhaps represents the threat of a creeping professional managerial elite in a bureaucracy that could undermine uh, the anarchist utopia. Again, another Ursula Le Guin novel in which this is a theme is uh, is the dispossessed, where there is the threat of a creeping bureaucracy in the socialist utopia uh, that is established uh, uh, in that book. So perhaps, uh, you know, Brainy Smurf is an avatar of that particular uh, social uh, class within uh, a socialist utopia, where a, a necessary class but a class that constantly has to be uh has to be kept in its place well moving from the structural to the psychological it might also point to what um how individuals that have distinctive characteristics or interests or abilities might struggle under uh, conditions of uh primitive communism right the and Brainy Smurf's struggle is about how to fit himself into this system, which mm-hmm. simultaneously relies on him for certain um, certain tasks, but also has no status to confer on him from his role. Uh, so he has to simultaneously struggle with being distinct, but also the same. And it could be that over time that prompts a migration of brainy Smurf types to the space Smurf or cyber Smurf camp out of um, primitive um, village Smurf life. Wow. Is there anything you'd like to share about your own childhood being a brainy Smurf yourself? Perhaps not fitting in? Are you mapping? Your psychology on Brainy? Well, the I didn't grow up in a Smurf village, but um, I the closest thing to it. Close Sorry, enough. the closest. closest enough. Yeah, you've been to Kelowna. <laughs> um, the uh, I think that one one of the few arguments for capitalism libertarian capitalism that uh, resonates with me is the idea that it allows individuals to pursue distinctive uh, life paths that don't require conformity to um, collective notions of, of what life should be. And socialism, in order to be liberatory, needs to preserve that civic freedom that individual level freedom while removing economic compulsion and status hierarchies, which, you know, the Soviet Union famously failed to do. And the, um, so yeah, like the, if you're distinctive anywhere, then um, you have to struggle to find a way to uh, express 
um, who you are in a society that doesn't necessarily um, have a ready space for, for that. And in the modern West, you can always move to the big city. That's kind of like defecting from the Smurf village. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there's, um, there's this PMC trap for the brainy Smurfs under um, the system in which we live where, yeah, you're a smart kid from a small town where, uh, you know, whether it's in Oklahoma or British Columbia or, or elsewhere. Um, so you get into college, but it's less about you cultivating your own individual excellence or your own personhood, finding the life you want to live, which is what they tell you it is, and more about taking this intellectual labor and molding it into a PMC pliable, um, productive intelligentsia that operates within organizations that is subject to work discipline and the, um, the famously McKinsey and other elite consultancies, sort of high brain power firms, they Mm -hmm. select for anxious overachievers. That's their favorite type because Mm -hmm. those people, even with their talent and their ability will exploit themselves in order to secure some tangible markers of achievement and value that come from organizational recognition. You don't even have to manage them that hard because their own psychology is what provides uh, motivation and the drive. Uh, You don't even have to necessarily um, pay them that much, especially to start, because the feeling of being special, uh, of being, you know, you go from getting an A plus in high school to getting um, honors degree in college to um, getting promoted within your organization. And that treadmill of achievement, if you can put people on it and make them believe that their value derives entirely from um, the recognition that is conferred on them. uh, Yeah, that's, uh, that's the trap you want to avoid. Because Mm -hmm. if you're stuck on that treadmill, you might as well just go back to the smart village. And that's the that's the storyline behind the dispossessed, where you have a scientist who has a particular theory, but it's not valued by his society, and so he leaves the socialist utopia to go to the capitalist hell. Not particularly happy there, but the fact that his work is not a uh, is not appreciated becomes a reason for him to flee the society. So you know the, there is a trap between that all utopian societies uh, face is the rule of the majority. Will that stifle a spirit of individuality? Well, let me ask another question about the Smurfs uh, being communists. Some say that they are definitely not communists because they're deists who believe in and celebrate deities like Mother Nature and Father Time. Do you have to not believe in any kind of higher power or spirituality in order to be a communist? So my particular reading, and I, I'm very heterodox, right? Like a neo-neo-Marxist. I synthesize a lot of um, other ideas and tendencies to my own particular witch's brew of um, political and ideological values. I think that um, in classical Marxism, the atheist imperative has to do with waking up the proletariat and breaking down religious forms of bigotry, repression, discrimination, um, obscuritanism. And the particular type of spirituality that the Smurfs possess doesn't have a rigid dogma 
that mm -hmm. imposes certain kinds of behavior. It doesn't have an intolerant, you know, jihadi crusader streak. Doesn't it have a clergy. Doesn't have a clergy. So I think that at the end of the communist transformation, it would be possible, right? Uh, in fact, it would be likely that liberated human beings um, with their free minds and free time might discover some ways of speaking about the ineffable, right? Um, the metaphysical that um, take on a spiritual language without falling into all of the toxic traps that uh, Marx associates with the religiosity. So I don't see that as um, incompatible with Smurfism as uh, presumably an offshoot of uh, Pol Pot Deng thought. Um, but um, the it, it all depends on how rigidly you need to hew to that orthodoxy. And let's be concrete. The uh, the the gods of the Smurfs, the deities of the uh, Smurfs, are not personal gods of the Abrahamic variety, but rather a worship of concrete forces that exist materially in nature. Time and nature are, you know, concrete phenomenon. They aren't abstract, alienated forms of religion. They, they, it is a worship of these forces that are actual, real, and concrete and exist. Yeah, it's not a heavenly monkey father. These are um, the re realities in which Smurfs, like humans, live. Well said. Uh, well, I guess to wrap up, I will ask about the Smurfs brand of communism, Smurfism. Um, how compatible is it with the brother enemy to communism and socialism? Anarchism. Is Jokey Smurf an anarchist? He is known for giving presents that explode. And anarchists used to be known for uh, something called propaganda of the deed. Let's talk about it. Well, I think you have to uh, you have to understand here that the end point of both anarchism and uh, Marxism is the same in the sense both aim for a classless society without a state. The the difference between anarchists and, and, and Marxists is about the path through which that can be achieved. So, you know, I don't think there's any inherent contradiction between the idea that, you know, the Smurf village is communist slash anarchist, right? The objective of the communist movement is to create that stateless society that uh, does not need to be regulated by the power of a state. So the fundamental difference between the anarchists and the socialists has been less about the eventual outcome of what society will look like after the revolution, but rather the concrete steps in which that can be achieved. And of course, the Marxists will argue that the anarchists are skipping out an entire stage, which is that dictatorship of the proletariat, which is required to break down the class divisions. They argue that, you know, you can't just declare everything, uh, you know, an anarchist utopia overnight. The, the process is socialism and the withering away of the state. So I think, you know, the, the, the end goals are not so different. I think, you, you know, a hypothetical anarchist paradise and a hypothetical communist paradise would not look that different. And I'd also be uh, be aware that it's a common uh, it's a common line on among conservatives against socialism that socialism imposes uniformity, uh, you know, equality of outcome, and requires everyone to be the same, and nothing could be further from the truth. It's about providing everyone with the um, economic means 
to pursue life, their individual path uh, freely without compulsion or constraint. Um, Amartya Sen, who is more of a, a kind of left liberal, um, he, in his book, Development as Freedom, makes a similar case, um, arguing that without some economic means, formal freedom is, uh, is meaningless. And if we're at the end stage of that process of human liberation, then, uh, you know, triumph or want and privation, then uh, those kinds of distinctions between people, you know, uh, I'm more of an anarchist or more of a socialist. Um, I'm a brainy smurf, you're a baker smurf. Um, those distinctions would be allowed to flourish and could coexist unproblematically because they aren't reproduced as social hierarchies um, or class identities. Well, on that note, I think this was a very fruitful discussion. I think we got to meet. I think we smurfed it. <laughs> smurfed it. You smurfed it up. I think we smurfed it right in a smurfer. That's what Smurf said. <laughs> Rather Smurfette. Ride in the Smurfer. Uh, thank you guys oh so much for uh, having the courage to, to do this. That's what she said. And, you know, take on this, this topic that is... It's a tough one, and I don't want to even think about my Twitter after this goes. Oh, that's, I got off air. I was like, "This is too hot. This is this is too hot." You know, to to think we could try to even say this out loud, like no no show is taking on this discussion because everyone's scared. So, true. Can your podcast do this? Can your podcast? have this discussion they don't want to because they know what they know it's going to happen this is what free speech truly looks like Ooh, hey you tell them and we have to admit that we killed it here comes so thank you all have a very happy is this going to come out during the holiday season? Yes, it will come out during the holiday season. So well, whatever you're doing in the holidays, have a smurfing time. I hope you smurf all over the place. Smurf the <laughs> ceiling with joy. Um, from each according to their smurf ability to each smurf according to their smurf. We smurf are. Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs>